Thank you so much for tuning in to She's All Over the Place with Kiriaki. That's me. Welcome, welcome to She's All Over the Place. I am so excited to have you here. I have a really impactful episode for you today. It's with Jordan Bain. She's a filmmaker, and we're going to talk about everything, arts and entertainment, films, filmmaking, and the projects she's worked on, and so much more. So first, Decentralized Pictures. DCP is a 5013 nonprofit organization born out of the idea that great talent and art can be discovered anywhere through blockchain technology. How cool is that? DCP creates consensus among the community of film fans and filmmakers around the stories and talent that move people most. DCP has set up the world's first democratically selected film fund and network of industry partners to support film projects that audience want to see most. As a nonprofit organization, DCP opens up the film financing world to a daring and passionate new generation of filmmakers and filmgoers, wherever they may be. DCP strives to empower the community to choose which films get made, effectively creating new keys to the filmmaking industry, which have historically been held by the gatekeepers of Hollywood. In its first pilot test, DCP provided the talented, thriving filmmaker Tiffany Lin finishing funds for her short film Poachers, which has now been featured in a variety of film festivals. DCP's mission is to support independent artists, as well as filmmakers from underserved and underrepresented communities. If you're an aspiring filmmaker, submit your projects. And if you're a film fan, join DCP and earn by reviewing. DCP invites anyone and everyone to sign up and join the DCP community, launching May 20th, 2022. You can find all the social media handles in the show notes. But here we go. We have Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Discord, Instagram, Decentralized underscore Pictures, Twitter, DCP underscore Foundation, Facebook, Decentralized Pictures, and you'll find the link to Discord in the show notes. Jordan, how are you? I'm great. I'm great. I'm super happy to be here with you and uh, and ready to dig in. This is a this is fun topics. Yes, yes. It's going to be a very impactful episode. So everyone, take notes and or be prepared to uh, listen again and or uh, share this with your fellow content creators because uh, that's who we are and what we stand for. Sharing this information with others. And so we can work together as a community and a team because for anyone who um, is making uh, films and or in productions, or even if you're just an audience member, you see those credits, it takes a village and we can't do it alone. Although, you know, we may want to, and we were told along the way, you know, to do it ourselves. Uh, we need each other. We really do. And so uh, Jordan, I appreciate you being here, honoring me. I honor you um, sharing space and to learn and grow together together and, and make a valuable impact on our profession in Hollywood, arts and entertainment. Let's go. So where are you from? Um, I'm originally from the Smoky Mountains, but that was so long ago. I feel like I really did most of my growing up in New York City. So I'm a New Yorker, really, in my heart and soul. Beautiful, beautiful. And how did you get into filmmaking? Well, uh, like a lot of uh, people who started out as actors, there were not a lot of roles being complex roles being written for women at the time uh, that I was coming up. But I, I had the good fortune to immediately when I got to New York, get you know, I was training, um, but also to get a manager and agent right off the bat. And I booked my first audition and I did a series and I got a lot of momentum 
up top, but all the roles were pretty much the pretty girl on the arm of the dude or all of those very, you know, non-impactful roles, right? And I was like, I don't know about you, but all the women I know are super complex and incredible and deep and profound. And I'm, I'm not seeing this represented on, on the screen. So... At some point, I started writing things because I thought, well, let me write myself something, you know, something that I can, you know, dig into. I mean, the things that I were, you know, I, I did go up against like Angelina Jolie for um, Gia and things like that, where it came down to me and her. Yeah, but she was amazing. Wait, hold the phone because, yo, that movie is just Oh, oh, so raw and edgy. Love it, yeah. love it. That's so cool yeah. that you are up for that role. Oh my gosh, wow. Yeah, yeah, that and also uh, Boys Don't Cry. Um, so I was very close to some meaty roles and both of those actually were based on true stories and uh and so they weren't just the women on the arm of someone but I decided I wanted to write something for myself but then at the moment that I wrote it I realized I didn't want anyone else to direct it. And so then at that point, I was like, but I don't know how to direct at all. And I'm a big proponent that story is the most important thing, that we serve the story, that we remove our egos and we have a job to do. And that's to tell the story the best way possible. And I did not feel like I would be serving the story if I'd put myself in front of the camera and behind the camera at the same time without experience. So I actually auditioned, I think, 500 people for a two-person short that we shot with on the DVX 100, I think, in Joshua Tree, or the crew of two of us, uh, myself and a and a cinematographer. And uh, and but a friend of mine introduced me to Jordana Spiro, and Jordana, if you know her, she's on Ozark right now. She and had been working in Hollywood for a long time. So she was already a known actress. And, um, but she was totally willing to come in and audition. And she did the work. She didn't expect like an offer for a short film. And so she came in and she blew me away. And I was like, oh my God, you have to do this role. And so she did. And we went out there and um, we shot this film called Argo. And, uh, and from there we did festivals and stuff like that. And then um, again, I started writing something. I was acting in a film and um, I was acting in a scene with Melissa Leo, who was a big um, hero of mine and the way she came up and did indie films and the way she did complex characters. And so I, I was coming up, um, you know, still as an actress and I was doing this film with her, just a tiny scene. And um, I realized that I was seeing her do things I still didn't think really tapped into her her talent, um, that she was doing a ton of stuff, but nothing was really giving her um, what I felt like were the kind of roles that she needed. So I wrote uh, a film called The Sea Is All I Know, and I wrote her. And I said, hey, I, I've written this for you. Would you read it? And she said, yes, your honey. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't know, you know, when, but I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll read it. And so I think it was four months went by and I, I didn't hear from her. And so I was like, you know, I didn't have a lot of hope. And then one day I got a phone call and she was like, hey, honey, this is, you know, this is Melissa and I'm on page nine and I have to do this. And. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty, I remember to this day how much I shook, uh, you know, like, yeah. and she's like, so we got to find the right guy for me and blah, blah, blah. And so I found with her help, Peter Garrity. I met him through in New York at a club where we I had seen his nephew play, um, Tim. 
and uh, and Melissa's like, Peter Garrity, you have to get Peter. So I got in touch with Peter. He read it. He's like, oh, my God, I've dreamed of a role like this. And so I was like, okay. And, uh, and eventually, you know, we got to make that film. She got nominated for, uh, what's it called? River, um, got the Reed, Reed Murano did the, was the DP. I forgot the name of the film, but Winter, I can't remember. But she got nominated for an Oscar and it was a super indie film. And that kind of helped us along as a short film. And then when we, we shot the film, she was doing uh, an HBO show. So we were able to like utilize her on her days off, which was also super tricky, but helped with our budget. And we had a tiny, 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 tiny budget tiny like when i tell and where did you shoot in new york uh we shot in um up in the bronx uh at this little place called city island so you were living in new york at the time i was yeah 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 so real quick um because before that with the argo you shot it in joshua tree so were you in were you still living in new york at the time and you just shot it in joshua tree correct Correct. So have you, so all this time you've been living in New York with, with every, on the timeline we're on right now with everything. Yes. Yes. Okay, cool, cool. Totally. Mm -hmm. So anyway, when, when uh, Melissa did The Fighter, we were getting ready, I think, to go to festivals and she got the Oscar and that just gave us a whole nother level of, of exposure and interest and, you know, getting into festivals, you know, and I, and I really, you know, you can watch the film now and I think it looks like it's a classic. It looks like it was shot yesterday. It's a super relevant film and, and their performances are amazing. We went around the world with it. I mean, it we went everywhere and uh, and eventually had an Oscar run with it. Um, it was an Oscar contender itself and a Vimeo staff pick. And, and, uh, and that's, you know, was super, super exciting. But then, but then reality hit a new reality, the reality for women in film and for, you know, more marginalized people and under the underrepresented when you want to actually try to get mm. a feature film made. So yeah, that's the next part of the story. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Before we go there, is it okay to put um, uh, in the show notes, the link to the film for people who want to check it out? Yeah, yeah. Um, they can find that either on Vimeo or my website. I'll put it in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Great, great. Cool, cool. Wow. Okay. Well, you just opened up a whole can of worms. So let let's go there. Let let's go there. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah. So uh, share what you went through, uh, how it was, and uh, let's start there. But I guess a two part question to that, or maybe you could think of along the way the similarities still today. Oh yeah. And maybe differences, right? Yeah. So that's you know we're talking about exactly a decade ago, and. I, Melissa actually was like, you know, you need to, you need to have a feature film ready, ready to go now. So I did. And, you know, they, they tell you that your short is your calling card. Yep. But what I discovered is that that's not true. That's only true for men. And while I can point to one or two women out of that time period uh, that I was doing the festival circuit who did get some opportunities. It's a completely different ballgame. Yep. And so I, um, you know, I found that as an artist, I'm not going to lie. It was really disheartening and very hurtful. And that's hurtful. That is not lying. I, I think we need to be really acknowledge the kind of hurt that happens um, when you're not seen or you're not valued. Please, I, I feel it. Let's go there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so even though I'd been in, you know, with this Oscar contender and Melissa Leo had said publicly I was one of the finest directors she'd ever worked with. Uh, I could not 
no one would open a door for me and take a meeting. And meanwhile, a lot of my colleagues who were men, who I adore them, you know, some of them very, very talented, not all of them, but some of them were getting meeting after meeting after meeting on their feature films and, you know, went on to be able to make those films. So then, then they went on, if you really want to take this to a really big idea, they were able to step by step make a sustainable living because then they proved themselves with that first feature film or they didn't, but it didn't matter. They didn't have to prove <laughs> they failed forward, many of them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But by doing that, they could get a house or they could, I mean, you really see the differences in careers and uh, and then financial stability and things like that for for filmmakers, when you take a look down the line, um, if a woman's not given an opportunity or, um, you know, or a person of color is not being given an opportunity, they have less of an, I mean, when they're like 30 and at 35, somebody's going to have, be on their second film and have a house and have some stability and maybe be able to have a retirement fund or something like that. But the woman is not. And then she might be, might be questioning whether or not she wants to have children. And that's going to put her, you know, in a different position again. In addition to, um, you know, opening up on a wider spectrum, in addition to just the talent, being artists and not having a business mindset or having uh, a baseline of a of middle class or whatever you want to call it, you know, then actors self-inflicting and thinking it's them and pointing the fingers <sighs> because of not having support in, in families with mothers and fathers and parenting that we take on the blame and shame thinking it's us that spirals to drugs and this and there's no education in the baseline when it's really just the nature of the business and that people don't talk about. So I'm grateful we're having this conversation and shedding light upon light. And, you know, it's it's a part of like who we are, what we're doing. So this is really great. Thank you. Yeah, it's, again, I go back to it. You know, there's some deep wounds that yeah. come out of that and a shame like, you know, am I not good enough? Am I not talented? You, you. It's hard not to doubt yourself along the way. I sometimes look at myself and I'm and I say it. I'm like, I have fucking guts of steel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So I've struggled with that, and I'm not gonna lie. It was a hard decade. It was a hard decade. Um, hard financially. Decade. Decade. Hard financially. You know, because I, I was. How are you making a living? you know, and, 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 and I'm doing the work and the work is good. I I had a, I had one screenplay that was so, I mean, I still have it. It has to, it deserves a rewrite, but you know, the casting director was like, this is the best screenplay that's come across my desk in 30 years. And she's established. Yep. And yet, and yet, and I attached a known talent to it. Yep. Known talent. Mm -hmm. And I was talking to Gersh for you know, packaging and all of this and still. Domestic, international, foreign sales. This is a bookable known talent for domestic and international here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right? So that, that's an American film that I had. So mm-hmm. again, I it's hard not to turn it in on yourself and say, what's wrong with me? And that's what I see a lot of people doing. And then you can't pay your bills and you think what's really wrong with me, but then you really believe in yourself. Yeah. You know, and I go back to like, I have fucking guts of steel. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, uh, but I don't think that this is the way that we as artists um, deserve to live. I think we deserve more dignity. And that's a big word lately. We've been throwing around in our film three rooms. And in fact, tonight, when I speak with Coindesk, that's the name of it's a non-fungible dignity. Great. And so the... I'll be there. You know, so you can have all of this talent, but 
there are all these gatekeepers. Yeah. And you can have a, a great script, um, but there are there really were not very many opportunities. So I happen to to be working in um, Spain and Rome and Milan a lot, especially Spain. And a lot of the people there uh, that I got to know, my colleagues were all really working actors, like what we would call A-list here, but in Spain. Mm-hmm. And now if you take a look at Netflix, they're on all of those shows in Netflix. I mean, you these are these are my people. So I ended up writing, I ended up thinking when I was there, because I was splitting my life between Madrid and Brooklyn, I was like, I feel like when you're chasing Hollywood and even if you've got a name attached, there's this is so long. Like there's something wrong with this picture, right? Because you're putting the power in so many other people's hands to say yes or no, whether you can make your own project and practice your art and tell your story and connect with your audience. And then I was like, I mean, look at this talent around me. Like these people in Spain, these this these actors are some of the most talented people I've ever met in my life. And life is short. Yeah. And I want to work with them because they're my friends. So I ended up packaging another film uh, with some of the biggest talent in Spain. I wrote it for for them. And, um, you know, again, I started to hit some gatekeeping, even though I had like, mm. like literally they're the stars of Money Heist and Velvet and, you know, all these shows on, on Netflix. Oh, stop. I mean, hold the phone, hold the phone. During the holidays, I marathoned it all five seasons in a row. I mean, just nonstop. A genius. Mm. Love that show. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, again, cut to basically 2019. I uh, had this incredible screenplay. Again, another one that, you know, was uh, really loved and um, had this incredible cast attached. And once again, it was the financing. It was like, you know, it, it came down to, I really, really believe that it came down to woman, man, woman, man, woman, man kind of thing. So money, 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 <laughs> money, money, money. Who do you want to yeah. give your money to? I mean, that's the whole thing. That's that's like one of the biggest things, right? It's like, you know, a lot of people don't mind giving money to to cis white men, to be really honest, because they'll fail forward because they're used to that. So that maybe that answers the question. But when you ponder and reflect, because first it's come up a couple times, but when you ponder and reflect, you know, because the depths of your soul, your being of who you are and the way that you think from, you know, what you were saying in the, the very beginning when you had the roles and you felt like the arm candy and it wasn't any depth, like, um, and then you had the quality of the thought to be a self-starter, go-getter, to write something of your own, do something of your own. Through the years now and you reflect and you just mentioned one, but well, maybe some other ways of why do you think people feel safe giving the money to the masculine energy instead of you or me? I think that we've been systemically trained, socialized that the men are the leaders, the men are better with money, the men are not emotional. <laughs> we know that's not true. <laughs> yeah. And and I think it's just systemic. And I think that because of that, we don't have a lot of examples other than like Ava DuVernay now. And again, she's been building for 10 years. She won Sundance in 2010 with Middle of Nowhere. I think it was 2010. And then she built with Array. 
you know, and and but she also had Oprah behind her, which is incredible because she was able to get someone with some power behind her because they saw that her voice and her vision was really, really important. Mm-hmm. Um, but now she's proven herself. Right. Mm-hmm. And so when she did Queen Sugar and she only hired women directors and some first time women directors mm. and everyone went up in arms, she goes, well, you're not having any problem with Game of Thrones, only hiring men directors. So what's your problem with me only hiring women? She's like, that's just, I'm not playing that game. Okay. And then Shonda Rhimes, she's another boss who's taking space. And so as an innovator in Web3, I know we're a little, um, you know, just kind of pivoting, but you are innovating in the space of Web3, you know, having, and we'll talk about what you're doing in in that space and stuff. So that's, that's kind of cool to feel like so behind and and not feel, you know, heard and shamed and blamed in in a decade of depression or a decade of feeling just like not heard. Uh, I just wrote something yesterday on, on my Twitter thing. I'm like, yo, I feel like I've been in a cocoon for a decade. Like, I just feel like, do you feel like you just like woke up? Like, it's like, I don't know about you, but I felt like, like, yo, I was so ahead of the game. And then, and then I'll, what happened? And then I just woke up and it's like, whoa, it's like, it's like so much has changed. Like, I don't can't wrap my head around like some things that are going on, but that's, you know, separately, but of like being in a cocoon, but, but because of pivoting into web three, um, you can take all that pain, hurt, sorrow, joy, knowing the highest of the highs, knowing the lowest of your lows thus far and the highest, and then pivoting into web three with your new ethic, morals, and values of who you are, what you stand for and what you collectively want to build. So yeah, I just jumped in. In there but I, I love that though because I think you just you just spoke my heart just then when you're like I, I woke up I was ahead of the game I woke up and what just happened to this decade and that's the way I feel coming out of the sea is all I know because I really thought with a, when you have an Oscar contender like this and a you know what happened like what happened and it wasn't you know not while I was in it when I was in it, it was the shame. It was the pain. Now I look back and I understand now, uh, I understand the business. And that as much as I wanted to be someone who changed the business and changed that business model, you know, I didn't, I wasn't equipped then. And then I needed people like Ava DuVernay to come in. I needed people like uh, Alma Haral to come through and to be game changers. Um, and each of them had someone very significant behind them, help them elevate them so that they could get their vision out there. And and we have to see it, right? We talk about how important representation is. So it's not just important for women or LGBTQIA or people of color or, you know, whatever those marginalized communities are. It is absolutely vital that we can see it so that we know that we can be it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I look at what I'm doing in Web3, I founded the NFT Film Squad in February 2021. And you now I'd been in crypto and I knew the blockchain was powerful, but it wasn't until I understood the NFT, I got schooled on NFTs and Clubhouse by a couple of really great um, leaders and community builders. And it clicked for me that this was going to be a game changer for filmmakers if they could wrap their head around this. And this was, you know, three months before Board Ape Yacht Club came out. So mm-hmm. I thought this is going to be an amazing opportunity. At that mo- moment, I was thinking more on minting on the blockchain, right? But I wanted to know and I wanted to learn. And so I started a weekly thing on Wednesdays where I started in Clubhouse and it was like the NFT film squad, you know, and it started at that point, I had asked four women because I started a room earlier called Elevating Women in the NFT space. And it was so needed that literally those rooms had like, I I think my rooms had 1300 people in them every Saturday. 
It was nuts because women wow. women needed a place to speak that they weren't being trampled over on those clubhouse stages early back in you know the early days, which was only so. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Ironically, I started with four women um, who kept showing up, um, four amazing women, and uh, and then eventually we discovered David Bianchi. David Bianchi invented on the blockchain um, a uh, a really spoken word, he calls it spinema, um, a spoken word poetry piece. And so we brought him in and we did a spotlight on him. And then we discovered me out there, like just scouring Twitter and every place for any any semblance of a filmmaker in this ecosystem. Found J. Harry Edmondson. And he has the beautiful, super cinematic uh, pieces that are now on Known Origin. You know, but they weren't like, it was like a, Shot with cook lenses. I mean, I'm a, you know, I can get super nerdy on this. Let's do it. Get nerdy. But before we get so, super nerdy, I just want to honor because it's happened a couple times. So the person tuning in and what I keep sharply seeing in a delicate way is that you have these ideas. Like you, like just to coin one is. You, when you got on the clubhouse, you had the idea of what was needed or something that you wanted more and that other people could identify with. And then you started something. You took action and you started something. You're As a creator, it's our duty as a human to birth and to create. It's the gift. And you take action instead of just like wandering and looking for a room or hoping it'll happen. You take action. So person tuning in, like when the idea comes to actually like start messy and like you said, grab another person or two or do it yourself, but make it happen. Like you take the action. So I just want to honor you and just hold on that moment because it's uh, very impactful and powerful because people are listening and then they're spiraling and they don't know where to start. You start with taking action one step at a time. For sure. You have to pick up a camera, go out and do it or, you know, give yourself, take a breath. How do I want to do it? But start the engine. Get the engine going. Yeah, or even, or let's nerd out for a minute, or even start researching the different technologies of cameras and lenses we can use. Like start there and then it'll lead you to the next interesting thought to research. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So you're saying you're about to get a little techie. Yeah. So I was getting techie because I love cook lenses and, you know, what he shot was really beautiful. And then it was like, okay, well, we're, we're, we're struggling with limitations within NFTs and the platforms and what platform is going to be there for a filmmaker. And we're talking now, it's May now. No, it's not May. It's almost May, but basically a year ago. Right. And there were still no platforms that could really handle the file size. So these were things, you know, and more and more film Filmmakers were coming into the room and, you know, little by little by little, it was very, it took a long time to get to where we are today. And I do want to like, you know, take what has been a year long process and really sort of fast forward it to where we are, because, you know, I knew I had a hard drive full of things that I could probably Mm -hmm. mint on Mm -hmm. the blockchain and that would be cool. But I also knew that as um, I felt like as a leader and what I could see and what I wanted, again, I'm going to go back to those two women, Ava with Array and Alma with Free the Work, really disrupting and changing something and creating a better future for filmmakers so that they didn't have that pain and shame coming up and so that they could get their voices heard. And, you know, again, we were all thinking minting and we needed to do a case study and things like that. You know, I did. I wasn't sure what it was going to look like about, you know, funding for a feature film or distribution for a feature film or any of this that we are now so deeply into and talking about. So that time, you know, I knew that I had not seen a full story. Like I didn't see, I had not seen something on the blockchain that was super super cinematic that had a 
beginning, middle, and an end. Mm -hmm. But I did know that there were major limitations that I had to lean into. So if you think that we shoot in 4K and get nerd I'm nerding out again. So we shoot in 4K, right? And you want to shoot, especially if you have a, a particular style and a voice that you want heard, then you know that you don't want to lose that cinematic experience for the people. But yet you're shooting 4K and at that time, OpenSea, which is the biggest platform, was only offering a 50 megabyte limit. 50. But fortunately, by the time, and, and, and all of them, Super Rare is still the same, I think. It's got awful. Known Origin, you know, Maker's Place. None of them were ready for filmmakers, but Zora was a protocol that was really interesting. And they have this woman, Latasha, and if you can get her, you should try to get her on, on your show. Latasha was doing music videos. She was a hip hop, so she had a following. She became like Zora's social person, and she was dropping also her music videos there. And so they had a 500 megabytes, okay? 50, 500, still 4K. How are you gonna make that look good? Yeah, and not to go, not to pivot here, here, but uh, what um, currency is that on? Ethereum. Got it. Okay. Ethereum blockchain. All right. So that's another thing. You know, I've been in crypto a long time. Um, and while I appreciate Polygon and Matic, it's hard to bridge there. While I appreciate Tezos, there's not really, for what I wanted and what I felt, I wanted my very first piece, at least my Genesis piece to be mm. on the Ethereum blockchain, on the OG of blockchains as far as... Auction houses, Christie's, Sotheby's. Yes. OpenSea, as of now is that hub. Yeah, pretty much. I mean... That's where I put my first, that's where I minted, I was the first artist to yeah. put a love poem on the blockchain when I minted my first piece of early 2001, uh, 2021. So yeah, it's the creme de la creme space right now. I was like, if you... What did I say? If you did it in 2001, then... <laughs> yeah, 2001. No, 2021, 2001. Yeah. You are way ahead of us. <laughs> right, there you go. There you go. Yeah. Um, so open seat. And uh, for the person tuning in, the Genesis piece is called Red Flags. Yes. So the Genesis piece is called Red Flags. And I knew I had to make it short. And, and I knew that I also knew that I was again on a shoestring budget because here we are now that at this point, when I started, when I wrote this in August and I shot this in September, we still had a funding issue. It wasn't like I could just go out there and you know, ask everyone to buy my NFTs and fund a short film because no one was paying attention to NFT films at that point. So I knew I needed a budget because I needed to pay people and I was not going to not pay people because I just can't be a part of that. And, you know, and it's a big thing. Like why? We're not 15. You know what I mean? We're, yeah, exactly. We're, yeah, we're not 15. It's too painful. <laughs> Where it's like fun. We're, we're just having fun. Like, let's get together after, you know, dinner with mom and dad. Like we're, you know, young adults here. We're creators. And we, like you said, dignity. We need to be fed and paid, period. It's a talent. It's a service. It's a create. It's time and energy. And that's a currency. It's the number one currency. Totally. And the number one currency. Totally. Um, I had a shoestring budget once again, but a great cinematographer that that really, really works hard to respect my vision and to capture it. Um, I had the most amazing actors and actress, uh, uh, Gabriel Furman, who was a uh, friend of mine. Um, I asked him if he would 
do the parks. I knew I needed someone who could bring me both the, um, the fury and the fragility of this toxic masculinity. And then I found this actress. I was looking, looking, looking. I knew I needed a black actress because I, because a song that it was a song that I wanted to shoot um, and make it more of a narrative, you know, motion picture, not a music video, right? As a, a very talented uh, young black woman, uh, uh, Aaliyah Sheffield. And I didn't want, it was very important not to erase her, her voice. Right. So very specifically, I needed to find a black actress and I auditioned again, a lot of people and I could not find what I needed. Like there was a particular quality I was looking for. And I, one day I was thinking, nerding out about cameras again and DPs. And I thought about this DP and I went to see, he had done uh, Jay-Z's Smiles. Mm. Uh, he had shot that and I was just checking it out. And suddenly this actress and I was like, oh my God, that's her. That's her. I, I don't know who she is, but I have to find her. And so I did. I found her uh, her info online and I wrote her and I said, you have no idea who I am, but let me just, I promise you I'm legitimate. Here's some, you can check up these things on me, um, but I would really like to talk to you about a project. And I didn't audition her. I got on a Zoom with her and I had a conversation because I'm, I know what I want and I can see it and feel it in someone just by a conversation. Oh, and yeah. she had everything you know, it was a big emotional journey she had to go on. Um, mm -hmm. If you watch Red Flags, it's, um, you know, it's about the deconstruction of a toxic relationship and, and breaking those cycles. And, um, and it required a lot of her, it required so much from her. And she showed up and she delivered. And it was, it was astounding to watch the two of them work. I felt like the most fortunate artist in the world, wow. director in the world to be working with the cinematographer and these two actors and the whole crew. I had the most amazing crew. I'm sure she feels the same way because I mean, I just know as as an artist personally and, and anyone who's tuning in like, okay, because I'm very cautious of, you know, there's spams and risk and bots. So it's like, okay, there is possibility for someone great like you to come along and offer something amazing that could be authentic and beautiful and be magnificent more than we'll ever know because that person is probably now on the blockchain, but didn't know, probably didn't even know about the blockchain and now is going to go down in history of, you know, being a legend of being one of the very first projects as an actor on the blockchain. And, you know, I mean, it's just like, it's so beautiful how the universe shows up for us and these things yeah. unfold in unexpected ways. And yeah, shout out to the crew. Gotta love the crew. <laughs> They're beautiful. I was lucky. And how many days did it take to shoot? One. <laughs> Wow, one day. Good job. I'm big on pre-production. I'm mm -hmm. big on having a tight pre-production. Yeah. And being prepared for something to go wrong. We had a monsoon there at the end. Uh, and we packed out in a monsoon on a one-way street in New York City, you know, with double parked where we kept having to move the truck in the middle of a monsoon, you know, because cars would be backing, you know, it was, but that was at the end of the day and we'd gotten our day. And so. And when was 
the shoot day? Uh, we shot in September, um, end of September. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I didn't drop until January because, again, going back to file sizes and things like that, color correction, really important to me. If you, you know, you saw the films, you know, there's a very particular um, stylistically, very particular use of light and dark, um, especially, you know, really leaning into the dark and the darkness of what it's like to be in a toxic relationship and then the the revelation that she is particularly having in this in this moment as as again we see them in the light and we see them her and her both of them in their darkness in their dark moments and then you know and then it does resolve so in the beginning middle and end so yeah it took us one day and then but post took a long time because I ended up color correcting oh I edited and then I color corrected, and then we had to figure out how to make sure that it didn't lose its cinematic quality when it got compressed down for uh, for Zora. Yeah, I've been in a lot of Twitter spaces, and that's been a big topic about, you know, the anticipation of filmmakers of uh, dumbing down the quality and losing the, the color, the pigmentation. Those things are so important for the artistry and for the movement, like you said, of the lighting and the shadows. Um, Before we continue, just on a psychological level for, like, brushstrokes, I just kind of want to clock these things. So, like, Clubhouse, early 2020. 21, started a room with the collective, spaces were there, do your own research, everyone sharing stories, kind of being like, you know, the scientists, like you said, a lot of pre-production. This is like kind of like feeling it out, getting a feel, like getting some legs, sowing seeds, growing some legs, understanding the foundation. And then maybe nine months later, inaction are less than nine months of inaction because you must if you did a lot of pre-production based on the short film so you were in it for since the beginning of 2021 then somewhere along the line you did your diligence um for pre-production finding the talent auditioning everyone shooting it in one day in september and then october november december dropping it january um the end of january on the 26 2022 and um and then but you started the film squad though um at the beginning it's 2001 so you already had 2021 what did i say 2001 i know you want to go on the space odyssey 2021 (laughs) 2021 so yeah so it's like you planted something you it sounds like to me i'm a visual person you put this clear shield like an egg over it of a community of being like this mother womb or this incubator for like other people with this exceptional foresight and then while you're being this vessel learning it um then you know taking it to twitter spaces things like that you're gonna do the drop so you're already having the spaces you're already having the community tell the people who are interested okay like um you know healthy communicators the marketing social media all that in an organic way of showing up in spaces and how to connect with people to do spaces, to share and care and um, things you learned a lot along the way not to do and then some maybe nuggets along the way so people can be sovereign beings in Web3 taking actionable steps to do this but not feeling like they're isolated alone FOMO of web two of no one's gonna help me I have to pay all this money for marketing and blah 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 all that stuff let's just hack into all of that if that's cool yeah let's do that and then I want to bring us up to date to where, where how fast this this has moved into film three from 
from my drop in January to where we are today um, is incredible. That's a really great question. The marketing, when no one was making noise about NFT films in January at that point, by the time I was starting, I rolled out, you know, myself, I figured out a marketing plan based on what I had seen with a lot of the other PFP projects that were being dropped. And I had made great friendships with Sheila Darcy and Trish Retta and gosh, so many other people, Charmaine and Ash Cooper Kearns and uh, Charmaine Hussein and Ash Cooper Kearns. And I just, we had really as women been trying to like make sure that our voices were heard. So when it came time to do this marketing, I knew one that there was a mental health element to this that I really wanted to touch on, like that this is really a social impact piece and that I wanted to dig into those conversations. I didn't want to just be like, oh, hey, I've got a film, go out and, you know, go out and become its collector. I wanted to to talk about why it was historically significant, why it was mentally and emotionally significant and about the mental health issues that surround domestic violence and intimate partner violence. And so I reached out to Sheila Darcy for that one. And so we did that drop party. And then, you know, I also knew that I wanted to talk about why people don't, why it was a problematic film for many people, why it was controversial. And it's because it's, you know, if you remember, I I do put a, a warning up at the front of it because there is, you know, for some who may not be used to watching Euphoria or may not be used to watching some of these things, it can be very triggering. So I wanted to talk about also, you know, when people, because it, it was, it had some controversial feedback. But I, you know, I, I had, you know, thought a lot about like um, Taxi Driver and things like that. And Ash Cooper Kearns had done like her studies on. Love her, love her, love her, by the way, love her. Yes. Shout out in the sketch, poetic. We love you, all of you. Yes. Yes. And so I knew that she had, she told me she had done a study on, on this in school. And she, so it was a perfect, an opportunity to talk about film as controversial and as activism in a way, you know, why these stories need to be told and why they're important stories. Um, so we did that room. Um, so this was all part of the marketing. I knew that there were several conversations that needed to be had around this film because it checked a lot of boxes. It wasn't just a music video that just entertained people, it really checked a lot of boxes. So uh, we, mar- I, we did, I mean, the marketing is probably the hardest part was really showing up, showing up and showing up and showing up on Twitter, on Twitter and discords and and spaces and clubhouse and talking and talking and talking just to, because nobody was talking about NFT film then. And no matter if it was two people, three people who showed up to the conversation or 300 or 3000, it's the quality and the ripple effect of the impact. So um, is that correct? For sure. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, um, if, you know, I learned this as an actor. If you have one person show up for your little black box theater, you've got a one person audience and they felt they're bringing you value. Right. And so it's an honor to do your performance for one person. So for me, you know, just to have a few people come into a room, if that happens, um, they are there. And, and for some reason, they believe that they're going to get value. And so it's an honor to have that conversation. Yeah. It's important for for the person tuning in and why I really wanted to break that down because, you know, they're thinking the macro, the millions and the social media, it's like get there quick. And it's like one person is the ripple effect and adds the value and brings you that joy. It's and that's exactly perfect. Full circle. Thank you. Any any other thoughts on that? Because I definitely want to jump into innovation and the the speed of any other exciting things you want. Sure. 
I think that this space moves really fast. And I think you have to take a lot of care that you don't FOMO. If you don't know what FOMO is, that's fear of missing out. And that you that you don't turn in on yourself. Like, let's say you meant something, but you're not lucky. Like, I, I had a very important collector the day that I minted. And uh, she's a she's a legend in the NFT space. Her name's Claire Silver. And she she was at Christie's and she, you know, sold at Christie's and things like that. And she saw the value in what uh, this historic piece plus the story. So I'm just really lucky, right? But there are a lot of people that are minting and, and you know, and, and they're not getting their collector immediately. And so if you're actually minting something, I think you just have to be patient. And the other thing that's really key in Web3, and it's the, truly the Web3 ethos, is community. Community is everything. Um, and and it's really what you give. Uh, it's, it's not what you take. So, and this is, you know, something I started to think called the Lab New York in 2010, um, which was an IRL, in real life, uh, lab for actors and writers and directors. And we would meet in my Brooklyn loft. Um, and then I, and we had it once a week. We also had it in Motherhood once a week. And Rome, and once a week, I had expanded because the the ethos was community. You know, if you come in and give, you know, the idea being that a rising tide floats all boats, right? Or the idea being, if you want to go far, you go together. If you want to go fast, you go alone. So, and I think that you know, when the Web three is, we we want to go far together, and it's really community oriented. And so again, you know, I, I'm going to throw it right back out to Sketch Poetic again. She gives to community and that's why people feel seen and heard by her. And so if you're coming into the space and you don't have a community yet, find a community. Um, and that's where the NFT Film Squad is really great, you know, because the core ethos of the squad is not one project. The squad is there as the community, as the hub, as the central spot for all the film projects, whether they're Flinch, the film franchise, or Miguel Faust and Cayedita, or, you know, or who, whoever comes in. Our mission is to make sure that we provide as much of the accurate information, that we have each other's backs, that we support each other, that we celebrate each other, you know, and, and help people figure out and trailblaze this, this ecosystem together. So if you don't have a community, you don't come with a built-in one, find one. Find a community that you really connect with. One thousand. Uh, real, real quick. Um, so with your um, um, film, uh, Red flags. Did you use Web2 money, like US dollar, or did you raise crypto? Actually, I got crypto and then I um, converted it. So it was given to me, the executive producer, she had gotten, um, her name's Margaret Corvid. She's amazing. She'd gotten... Thanks, Margaret. We appreciate you. Yeah, we do. And she's brilliant. She's a brilliant artist herself. And she had gotten fortunate in that when Twitter dropped their NFTs for free, they airdropped them to a few people. She got one. And she literally flipped that the next day for, I think ETH at that point was around $2,000. So she flipped it for 50 ETH and that gave her some money to work with. And she wanted to pay, cool. yeah, she wanted to pay it forward because that's it. That's the ethos. What you just said, and you you said it clearly, but just in, in, a, in another way, but the same way, reinvesting art with art the crypto and then she she had the gift she paid it forward she earned some and then she took a piece of the pie and paid it forward through you and then and the beat goes on <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah exactly and i think it's an important part of the story you know for sure mm. yeah so she sent crypto and then i converted that to fiat which we needed to to pay our vendors and things like that in new york and 
people pay their rent. So yeah. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing everything. You're you're such a blessing. So let's take a deep breath and focus in on innovation. What's up next? And uh, you're speaking at the Com Film Festival coming up uh, shortly here. So uh, spill it. Let's let's hear the juice. The crypto Hollywood juice. The crypto Hollywood juice. I think the most important thing to know right now is what's happened between January and today in the film three vertical. Really, it's a vertical. We are we are creating a new vertical. And film, uh, when Julie Pacino entered with her, with Keepers of the Inn in January and sold out as the very first, and there is nobody else. Everyone keeps calling themselves the first, and I keep trolling them on Twitter. The blockchain doesn't lie. Julie Pacino's Keepers of the End was the first feature film fully funded by NFTs. Yeah, it, she it sold out in less than thirty minutes. I was there for it. Like, I, no, 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 it didn't. I got to tell you, no, 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 she did. It didn't. The photo she took at the Madonna Inn. Yeah, it didn't. She said because I, you know, we shared stages so many times. I know her story. Yeah, it actually started in December and had a very slow start, and then something happened. I can't remember what happened in January, and maybe yeah. But something happened and then probably it sold out really quickly. Yeah, like a Twitter spaces or something, but it like everything went like it. I was I remember the heat of it all of like everything going. Oh, wow. Real like in in like one. They're like, oh, 30 minutes or less than 30 minutes. Everything was gone. That's probably true. Yeah. Somebody somewhere somehow she got some exposure. Yeah. And it boom. Right. So, but that's how it happens. So, anyone tuning yeah. in, that can happen for you. You could have 10 collections, maybe nothing sells for like a year or two, but then you're in one Twitter spaces and everything sells out. Totally. That's what I, yeah, harking back to what I was saying before about being patient. You know, mm-hmm. if you don't, if you mint and you don't sell immediately. So, from that moment, then Miguel Faust entered in with Calladita. And Miguel is a Spanish filmmaker. Um, so, this is the first European uh, film funded by um, NFTs. He's almost fully funded now. And what he's done really brilliantly is he's cross-pollinized. So he's a member of punks and a member of Bored Apes and a few other of these communities. So he was really able to get them interested. And then really, literally, in January, end of January, all of February, Miguel, Julie, and I were on all of these panels together because suddenly there was this incredible movement, not just of do we mint on the blockchain and get a collector, you know, do we do additions? Do we do one-of-ones? Where do we price them? No, we can fund feature films. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. With a with an innovative use. Now you gotta you can't just it's this is not Kickstarter. This is utility. This is what are you giving your what are you giving your community? You you know, why should they buy your NFT to help you fund your film? What? How is this a win-win situation for both of you? And a, a symbiotic, you know, a constant. Yeah. So this really blew my mind. It was like, I think it was January that I, I interviewed Julie and it was like, I suddenly clicked for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I have been doing this every week and basically daily obsessed with this since February before. So this is like in my 11th month in this. And this this space moves like light speed. Oh, yeah. So since that time, suddenly there's been a real incredible growth spurt 
of yeah um you know with blockbuster dow coming in with um with tasa Tosafila's, you know, white paper that he wrote in December and threw out there and suddenly got this incredible uh, momentum. And then with Beam and the way Beam uh, as a streaming service is, is rising up to the occasion for Web3 filmmakers. It's insane. The, the behind the scenes of what we're doing with, you know, with Cameron Van Hoy and Flinch and, and uh, you know, all these different projects coming in, uh, decentralized pictures coming in, you know, they go back to Zoetrope. I mean, that's the Coppola's. They've got a very interesting model. So, oh, I think um, they're my new sponsor, actually. DCP? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, they're great. They're great. Leo's great of DCP pictures, decentralized pictures. That's very, that's very cool. Small world. Shout out. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So a couple of exciting questions. So Miguel that you mentioned, um, you must have posted something because I definitely follow him as of a few weeks ago because of something you posted. So um, that was cool for you to shed a little light on who he is and what he's doing in the space. It's just a brushstroke. And then also, because we kind of ran past the Julie part. I remember um, like a few months ago, it was the funds were going to be used for her feature film that was going to be shooting in June. Is it still um, scheduled for June or is the date moved? September. Both of them are now scheduled for September. Okay. The cool thing Julie is doing is something that I would find very difficult is that she's literally taking, you know, taking her screenplays to her community and saying, okay, give me input. What do you, what do you want to see in your, and I'm like, yeah, I don't think I can do that. But, uh, you know, she's inviting the community in that way, you know, which is super cool. Miguel, on the other hand, he already had his screenplay done. And so he's inviting his community in a different way. Miguel, you know, he, ha- he runs our Monday with Miguel, the squads Monday with Miguel spaces. So Miguel and I are super close. We're speaking, we're both speaking at can on two panels together and uh and he's really he really contains the ethos of the web3 space which is he's not just about his project he's going to open source his project and wow and he's about community as well right so he's really lifting up communities lifting up women like crazy great both of them are amazing International talent and humans as well. I love that. I'm just having some foresight of the Cannes Film Festival this May and then only imagining the busyness of next year and how many speakers there's going to be. So um, as a fellow filmmaker, I'm sure you already have it on lock of a DP shooting the the epic moments because you're going to be the first of the first of the first to speak at the International Cannes Film Festival of blockchain, NFTs and filmmaking. So congratulations to you. Congratulations. Yeah, thank you. It's going to be, I think, again, we're going to see a massive shift coming out of con. I think we're going to see the NFT film three space just explode coming out of the festival because more and more people are looking at ways that they can fund. And also, you know, we are, we're really exploring distribution options as well as web three and hybrid options between web two and web three. And these are the conversations that we have basically every day through the squad and um, in our discord. And then also just with the, what I call my council, those of us who are really leading this we talk daily on all of this stuff and, you know, just making sure that constantly what's best for the community, what's going to be best for the future of film, you know, and, and stuff like this. So it's it's pretty insane what's going on. I mean, again, uh, Flinch film franchise is, is amazing. They're great trailblazers as well. And I'm waiting for some more women to, to come up in the ranks, you know. I'm here for it. I'm showing up. I'm right here and <laughs> let's just onboard. And I agree with you. It's really exciting. Um, I know the woman from Crash, Jennifer. Esposito. 
<laughs> Esposito. Is that it? What is it? Esposito. Okay, she must be Greek something because I I went to her Instagram before and there's a lot of Greeks. Um, when she was production doing something, I saw just a lot of Greeks. I'm like, yo, is she Greek? But my, you know, Sabat, my friend Sabat, he sold three NFTs to raise funds for her film. So fresh kills, yeah. So you know, for the person tuning in, like creative ways, like definitely jump into um, Film Squad, into the Twitter Spaces, into the rooms to learn, brainstorm, get ideas, and, and you know, uh, you're definitely an innovator. And, and taking action and, you know, people tuning in, they can be too as well. But, you know, maybe some people are here for the entertainment just to learn and be a part of it, be a part of the journey and the ride. So you don't have to go from zero to hero and take so many big actionable steps. Like just, you know, being interested and involved and sharing and growing and learning together is a part of it. Like you said, like grow together, you know, so we don't need to go so fast and, you know, put exact on things because it's just, it's birthing and it's brand new and it's being created. And that's just so beautiful. Beautiful. The freedom and the dignity that you get as an artist, um, being in uh, Web3 or Film3, as, as we're calling this part of the ecosystem. And that's the exciting part, you know, ownership of your own IP and not having gatekeepers, you know, to just bring this back, circulate back around to the pain and shame and those kinds of things that we started talking about. I think that we have a great opportunity now to make sure that artists are valued and given their dignity and can find their community, that thousand that thousand believers or a hundred believers that want to make sure that their voice gets out there and really gets behind you, you know, on whatever you're doing, right? Mm-hmm. So whatever, you know, you decide to like put out there without that shame and without the, the questioning and the doubting that comes from someone who's basically says to you, you know, we don't value you or your voice um, because it's not the voice that we want to hear. I think that this is a major game changer. And I think that we the beauty is I think we're creating a better world in general for people. Um, yeah. Decentralized, you know, like that. Yeah. For example, like look at our world and our industry and I mean, without Web3, you know, I don't know if I would have ever been connected with you, you know? And so Web3, the psychology of it and the the innovators and the entertainers and the people who are the yes people and who are are wanting to fight and be a part of all those beautiful words you just mentioned, it's for us to come together and find one another. You know, it's an opportunity. I'm like... Oh, finally, you know, it's like, I've been waiting for this my whole life, you know? Yes, yes. I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. And I know that in Cannes, you know, it's going to be a big moment for the NFT film squad. But I also know that I'm going to be, you know, my feature film is coming. And the one that I told you about, about I actually am going to do a different one that's got a smaller budget, that's more accessible. I have my, you know, my talent. And for the first time in my life, I am absolutely 100% sure that I will be making this film. I will be making it on the timeline that I want as an artist, not waiting on some gatekeeper to tell me when I'm going to make this film, you know, not waiting like and watching part of the deal fall through. I absolutely am certain that depending on when I roll out my NFT strategy for my feature film, like Julie's and Miguel's, similar, um, with its own utility, that the my film will be funded and I will be on that timeline of pre-production or development pre-production and production and post, the one that I want, the one that's right for me as an artist. And that's what we want for everybody. Congratulations. And I will be here for it. And I will love to invite you to be on She's All Over the Place podcast again. (laughs) And we can have a conversation about it. 
That'd be amazing. It would be amazing. Thank you. My pleasure. This was fun. This was fun. It's a part of it. And I, I appreciate your mm. your words. Um, Speaking of words, and uh, wow, this is going to be the longest podcast of the season probably. But speaking of words, are there any last words you would like to say to anyone tuning in? Your, your words have already been amazing. But any last words before we wrap up and roll out? That I'm grateful. I'm grateful that, you know, a lot of the journey has led to this moment. I think we know this about all of our lives where... If a door gets slammed, sometimes for someone like me, and I'm super stubborn, it has to be slammed so hard <laughs> that, that it practically knocks me out for me to notice that I need to pivot. And I think that we're in an extraordinary time. I think that today, I, you know, Cameron said that for him, it's, it's not since, you know, talkies came into film. And for me, I feel like it's when we got the DVD 100, DVDX 100, and we got a camera in our hands that we started to get the power back. I believe that we're at the moment for, as artists and filmmakers, that we really can stand in our own power. We can really stand in our own power. And that's amazing. Mm -hmm. This is an amazing moment. Mm -hmm. So I encourage everyone to, you know, don't be afraid. Jump in, you know, ask questions. You're going to find a generous and kind community. It's the most generous and kind community I've ever met in my entire life. Yeah. Just the web three. Yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely. Uh, and, you know, um, it'll, and everyone um, who listens to the podcast, I created a pink sheet around six months ago. So, um, you know, just all, all the people that Jordan mentioned, definitely, you know, It'll be on the pink sheet and, um, you know, you can have that. Just put your email into my website, chinox.com, and we'll make that happen for you. A lot of things we talked about today will be in the show notes. And with that being said, cut. That is a wrap. Hmm. Thank you, Jordan, so much for being here on She's All Over the Place. Thank you. This was awesome. Really great. Can't wait to do it again. Yes, yes. Okay, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us. We'll see you next time. Kiriaki. Over and out. <laughs>